We are back to Baku. It is round six of the World Championship, taking us to the streets of the capital city of Azerbaijan for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and a return to the circuit that was not won in 2020. Monaco reshuffling the standings. Max Verstappen, after the win, is now on top of the Drivers' Championship. Red Bull is now on top of the Constructors. Mercedes will be looking to rebound after a disastrous running at Monte Carlo. Lewis Hamilton finishing P7. Valtteri Bottas getting a DNF after a faulty tire nut that could not be removed. It is the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Deziri. Thanks for joining us. A reminder, subscribe to the channel. Leave us a review as we continue to grow this. It is another street circuit on the schedule. It joins Monaco, Singapore, Melbourne for the 2021 calendar. A reminder, the Canadian Grand Prix will not be run this year, so that was taken out. This circuit runs over six kilometers with 51 laps coming up on Sunday. It was the European Grand Prix back in 2016, later changed to the Azerbaijan Grand Prix in 2017. Valtteri Botas won the last running at Baku back in 2019, a 1-2 finish for Mercedes. All right, a couple of things to watch for. Again, and you know what? The caveat to this is always, we're always watching the Verstappen-Hamilton battle, but what are some other things that you should be watching for, at least what I am watching for in the Grand Prix weekend? One, will we return to normal? And what I mean by that, will we return to Mercedes being in top form and Red Bull chasing a touch? Look, the first two races of the season promised us an epic battle. We had Hamilton win in Bahrain, then we had Verstappen winning at Imola, but the expectations started to diminish just a touch when Hamilton took both races at Portugal and in Barcelona. Monaco shifts that. It was an 18-point swing, Verstappen taking the win, a struggling weekend for Hamilton, but will we see Mercedes come back to form and Red Bull figuring out how to stay close? I mean, look at look at Monte Carlo. It was a bad weekend for Mercedes, but there were circumstances behind it. Hamilton started P6. He finished P7. He tried to make the undercut of Pierre Gasly and ended up both behind Gasly and Sebastian Vettel. It's hard to overpass there. He couldn't make up the spots. Botas, who started P2 essentially with Leclerc out of the race, had an atrocious pit stop. Um, and bad pit stops has been the issue for Botas in the past. The DNF was was a surprise since he was running second. So what I'm looking for is not so much Hamilton Verstappen, but more Mercedes Red Bull to see how the Azerbaijan Grand Prix results for both teams. Second thing to watch out for is Baku. It's back. It's the second straight race for Formula One at a circuit that was not on the calendar in 2020. Two weeks ago, the streets of Monte Carlo, they're elegant, they're glamorous. It's one of the crown jewels of street circuit racing but it doesn't have any opportunities to overtake. Baku is different. There's a long straight, plenty of opportunities to use your DRS. You can go three wide down into turn one. It is one of the heavy braking zones. It is a fantastic street circuit for that reason alone. It's one of the favorites for a lot of fans because of that reason. Flat out speed, plenty of chances to pass. Now, one thing to watch out for in this race, though, is the attrition rate. It is easy to find yourself out after a difficult corner that could lead to other teams standing on the podium. In fact, we've had four different winners in four races since 2016. Nico Rosberg, Daniel Ricciardo, Lewis Hamilton, and Valtteri Bottas all claiming the Grand Prix victory. It is here, remember, in 2018 where Ricciardo and Verstappen tangled up. They were both running in the top 10. Ricciardo ran to the back of the end of Verstappen. Christian Horner, extreme 
extremely angry. He made both drivers apologize to everyone on the Red Bull team. And this sort of sort of started Ricardo's exit to Renault after this particular race. 2017, there were seven DNFs with a podium finish for Williams. Lance Stroll finishing third uh, when he was driving for that team. This is a favorite for a lot of fans because there's a level of unpredictability here to this circuit. And again, you'll actually see some overtaking. And it has also got two different elements to it. There is sort of the 90 degree turns in the beginning, and then you've got the castle section on the racetrack. We'll get more into that later on in the podcast. We're going to do a whole track talk segment of what the streets of Baku look like. The number three thing I'm watching for in the Azerbaijan Grand Prix is this flexi wing debate. I'm not a huge fan of these sort of technical debates that go on in Formula One. It is part of the deal when you're a fan of the sport that these things will come around. Uh, so I'm not, this is not an issue that I'm heavily invested in, but it is a, it is one that deserves attention. The flexi wings and how they're going to affect Red Bull. This is something the FIA has said, look, starting in France, we're going to have stiffer tests. This is going to be something that we're going to be working through, but Toto Wolf wants it done now he wanted it done before this race and he said he could make it very 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 messy for the FIA that he could take this to the International Court of Appeals because of the flexibility of these wings on the Red Bull car they will definitely be an advantage for Verstappen and Sergio Perez uh, one thing to note, Perez is a Baku master when he was at Force India. He has two podiums here. Max has never finished in the top three. It's not one of his favorite circuits. But it, that, beside the point, Wolf knew that Red Bull's advantage at Baku would be huge with those wings. That's why he tried to force some action by the FIA before this race. Uh, stricter wing tests are coming, but they are not coming before the Azerbaijan Grand Prix this weekend. So you're going to get them later this month, but not before. Number four. Aston Martin. This has been my one of my favorite topics so far this season. Aston Martin has not had a very good season, but did they turn the corner? Sebastian Vettel had a great run at Monaco and scored points for the first time this season. The team has been looking ahead to 2022 with some new regulations, but... They do have a lot of success at Baku. They were Force India with Sergio Perez taking two podiums. They've had some success at Racing Point. Lance Stroll, when he was riding for Williams, as I mentioned before, has a podium finish here. But has Aston Martin turned the corner? They have a lot of ground to make up if they want to get into the mix for the P3 Constructors standings. But maybe, just maybe, Monte Carlo, that has a tendency to be an outlier in terms of the scale. You really can't look at Monte Carlo's results and see some trend. It's such a different circuit. It requires a different setup. It's just a different way you run that racetrack. Maybe, just maybe, the team has finally put something decent together. And number five, McLaren and Lando Norris. Norris is having a phenomenal year so far. Two podiums, including one in Monaco. He has McLaren in the mix for P3 in the Constructors' Championship, despite a not-so-great year from teammate Daniel Ricciardo, who's coming off a very disappointing weekend at Monte Carlo. That's one of his favorite tracks. 85 career points, didn't get one two weeks ago. Both drivers have admitted, however, that, and Andre Seidel has also admitted this, that the McLaren car for 2021 does take a special driving style, and both still are learning what they can and can't do with it. Norris, for example, says he can't push it like he has other cars in the past. Ricciardo now has spent more time in the simulator 
to get more used to the car. Uh, you know, that's evident in Monaco. He couldn't get out of Q2 in qualifying. And again, this is one of his favorite circuits. You couple that with Ferrari, who's having a much better year, even though they have still some work to do to get back to pre-2020 form. And they will take this fight for P3 with McLaren to the end of the season. I do like the trend of where Lando Norris and the team is heading. Ricardo should get back to a Ricardo level. I do think you're going to see that at some time this season. But over the past couple of years, Red Bull, Renault, and now McLaren. Look, I think this is one of the reasons that Cyril Abitable was disappointed that he was making the decision to go into McLaren before Abitable left Formula One together. But I think it was because he was saying, look, you're starting to find something here with the Renault team. Why would you, be, why would you leave to go somewhere else? He's got to get used to a new car, and and I think so far this season it's been disappointing for Danny Rick. But I do think in the end you'll see the kind of results that you were expecting from Daniel Ricciardo when he joined McLaren and got that team excited in the first place. All right, so if you're new to Formula One and you haven't seen a race at Baku, maybe you've seen some highlights... I want to do a track talk segment where we talk about what you can expect to watch this weekend. And if you're familiar with Formula One, you, it's been two years. So let's let's do this together. All right. So from the start finish line, the circuit's going to open up with a pair of 90 degree turns that will lead into the first DRS zones, turn one and two. They're both 90 degrees. Will both be heavy braking as the race progresses and both require some real technical aspect of the drivers to make sure they land those corners properly. This is where you can go a little too wide, get yourself into some serious trouble, especially coming off the long straight. So you get one and two, you get some DRS turns. Four is another 90 degree turn. Five and six, the turns five and six, this is where it gets a little bit tricky. It's a simple left hand. It's almost like a chicane. It leads into a small straight into turn seven. Now, turn seven is a key turn on this racetrack because it leads you into the old city of Baku. Eight through 12, this is the signature area of the Baku street circuit. This is known as the castle section. It's a real tight squeeze. You're going to the left, to the right. You're going uphill. It is only one car wide. It, it is not a place where you're going to see some passing. It's very, very tight. Uh, you're going up, a, up the hill. You're then going to make a left-hand turn, and you're going to be in the old city of Baku. Now, this is almost round. If you kind of look at a, at a street map from above it's almost circular it's not quite it's more of an octagon it's more like you got a little bit of a straight then sort of an angle turn and then another little straight so it's almost like a stop sign it's the best way i could possibly describe it so there are some straights that are making a big rounded turn it's not quite circular but then this is where the track gets really fun. After turn 16, this is a 90 degree turn again. This is where the fun starts. It's flat out to the start finish line with some small kinks along the way, small minor turns, but those turns are taken at flat out speed. There's a slight left, a slight right, another slight right. That completes the 20 turns of the circuit. They're small, and so again, the run is at full speed. You can get to 345 kilometers an hour by the time you reach the line. This is where your second DRS zone is located and this is where you can go three wide this is where you're going to get a lot of passing it is one of the more exciting stretches of racetrack you've got in formula one i mean this, this is flat out speed uh charles leclerc's the track record he has a time of 143.009 that was set back in 2019 do not expect anything close to that from ferrari he is downplaying their success at monaco that's a one-off race he knows that the 
speed, the straight speed for the Ferrari is still uh, needs some work. Slow corners, fantastic, but the straight speed, that needs some work for the Scuderia. Pirelli is set to bring its softest tires to the race. This is similar to Monaco. C3 for the hards, C4 for the medium, C5 for the softs. The circuit, just over six kilometers, 20 corners, a number of 90-degree turns, as mentioned before. The straight from turn 16 to turn one, uh, with, again, those slight, slight turns in between, is just about two kilometers. It features both wide and narrow sections, so overtaking is plenty, especially down that long straight. It's one of the hardest circuit on the brakes on the calendar, the four 90-degree turns that come after the long straight, and, of course, managing the castle section going up the hill at turn eight. I think this Baku racetrack is fun. I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's different. I like street circuits. I, t- I tend to lean towards them. I think it's cool when you run on the streets of a city, but it's not always the best place to have a race in terms of what you expect from a race, but I do think Baku delivers. It's very unpredictable. We've had unpredictable podiums in terms of who's up there, and we've had different kind of results, unexpected results. Attrition could be high. So I'm a big fan of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, you're going to hear me at various points this season. There's going to be racetracks where I'll be like, yeah, this isn't my favorite circuit. I'm not really looking forward to what I can expect from this race. But I like this one. I like Baku. I'm glad it's back. It's been a while, and I'm glad it's uh, back on the calendar. All right, now it is time to do top five, bottom five after the Monaco Grand Prix, round five in the books as we head into round six. So I do mine a little differently. I know it's easy to sort of look at the standings and take the top five and take the bottom five. I do mix in circumstances, but I also throw in expectations. If you are having a disappointing season from what your expectations were, I will put you more in the bottom five. If you're exceeding expectations, even though you're not near the top of the championship standings, but having a surprisingly good year and some good results, I may sneak you into the top five. So let's get started. We're going to go with the top five first and Number five on my list is Carlos Sainz. It is amazing what a P2 can do for you in the standings. Ferrari did need a good result at Monte Carlo after Leclerc did not start the race and Sainz delivered. Now, Ferrari may not be able to compete like they did at Monaco going forward. I don't think many of us are expecting the Scuderia to be back, but I do think that this is a result that puts them in a good position to make a run at McLaren for P3 in the constructors. Leclerc is having a better season so far overall than Carlos Sainz. I mean, the DNF certainly hurts, but... I think Sainz deserves some recognition for what he did in Monte Carlo. When your teammate is out and a lot of the emphasis is going to be on you and where you finish, he did deliver for the Scuderia, so he is five on my list. Sergio Perez is at number four. Red Bull needs him to run up front with Max Verstappen. He made a good run at Norris for the podium at Monaco. I think this sort of puts Red Bull in a good position if he can continue to do that. I want to give him credit for this. It has not always been easier for Sergio Perez so far in the new car, but at Monaco he did deliver for the team. Max did what Max did, but Sergio Perez running near the front and having a good run at Monaco certainly helped Red Bull be on top of the Constructors' standings. Number three on my list, and this is a drop for Lewis Hamilton. This was a bad weekend. We know that. You know why we know that? Because we watched it, and because Lewis has not been afraid to speak about this over and over again. Now, he did say going into Baku, it is time to put a lid on that, move forward. Maybe he was a little harsh Good job on Lewis for that. Obviously, some of the things were not his fault. I mean, it was a bad strategic decision on the undercut for Pierre Gasly that put him one spot back. But let's take this for what this was. This was an 18-point swing in the points race with Max. That's a lot. Now he's looking up in the standings heading into Baku. So three on my list is Lewis Hamilton. 
Two on my list. It's Lando Norris, a P3 in Monaco, second podium of the season. He's leading Valtteri Bottas in the points after five rounds. Now, look, it probably won't last. Mercedes is expected to get their act together. So far, though, this has been an amazing bright spot outside of the Lewis Max race for the top of the standings. That's one of the reasons I do like Formula One. There are battles within battles. If you're just interested in who's on top, that can get a little old because it's going to be Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton competing for the championship. If that's what you see going into every single race, I got nothing for you. I like the battles within the battles. I like seeing teams move up and down the constructors. I like the battle for P3 in that race. I like the battle for P3 in the driver's standings. I like the way that you can still have a decent season without being a championship contender. We tend to look at sports only as who finishes first and everybody else is a loser. But I think Formula One is different. I think there are some recognitions that you have to give to drivers when they don't finish first, when they're not in the championship race, because the cars do limit the drivers and their potential. But Lando Norris is a fantastic story so far this season. He got the contract extension with McLaren. It is well-deserved, and he is a fun driver to watch. Number one, obviously, it's Max Verstappen. He was the race winner at Monte Carlo. He is now the points leader for the first time in his career. He made that quick move uh, to the right on Valtteri Bottas to block him at the start of the race heading into Sandovote. He ran it to the finish, took the checkered flag. He needed that kind of result. He did. Monaco allowed them to have that kind of result. He got it. An 18-point swing, as I mentioned before. Look, I think if Charles Leclerc had started the race from pole position, I think Max would have found a way to pass him and win that race anyway. I really do. I th- and, and overtaking is obviously really hard at Monaco, but I think Max would have found a way to do it. I think he, it was that kind of weekend for Red Bull and Max Verstappen. All right, bottom five. And again, doing it a little differently, it's easy to just pick on the Haas drivers. I'm not saying I won't, but I'm going to look at more of where we're at right now, what some of the expectations were, who's kind of having a disappointing season. 16 is Fernando Alonso. He could not get out of Q1 at Monaco in his 13th in the points. Now, things were looking up for Alpine after Barcelona. I even said so, but he hasn't quite delivered since his return to Formula One this season. Now, look, he's a former champion. I'm not going to be too harsh. Again, he's coming into a new team, all of those things. But I did expect some progression, and it's been kind of disappointing so far after five races for Fernando Alonso. Number 17, George Russell. Now, was I expecting points at any point this season? Not really. No, I wasn't. But in the past, and including last season, Russell has teased enough to sort of think that he could do this. He could be in a top 10 running in a Williams. But I know, I know that's a hard stretch. It's it's not necessarily him per se, but he's the one that is going to do that for Williams in races where there's an opportunity to do that. Sorry, Nicholas Latifi, but that's just not how it's going to work but he hasn't finished higher than 14th at any point this season. It's tricky, I know, given the car that he's driving, but again, I got to give it to where it is, and that is uh, he is 17th. Number 18, it's Yuki Sonoda. Now, this has been disappointing, even though he's a rookie, and I got to give some leeway to rookies here, but remember Bahrain? Was that that long ago? Sonoda had such a promising start. He finished in the points. He looked really good. He was very racy, Uh, but since then, he hasn't finished at any points race since. He's struggled with the car. He has publicly said so. He's swearing on the radio. He's going to be moving closer to the team facility in Italy. Uh, Rookies do what they do. It's part of the learning process, and you can't have too many expectations. But forgive me if I thought there was going to be more promise for Yuki Tsunoda in 2021, because Bahrain really did set that bar. Number 19, Nicholas Latifi. Just keep getting out of the way. All right, just keep getting out of the way. It's easy. Just move along, move along. 
Now, he did finish 15th at Monaco. I have no idea why that's impressive, but whatever. 20, uh, take your pick. It's both Haas drivers. Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin. Take Nikita Mazepin if you want, but go ahead. Take either Haas driver. It's okay with me. They're both at the bottom, uh, my top five, bottom five. Predictions for the race. I think Mercedes returns to form with either Hamilton or Botas winning this. Most likely Hamilton. I can't imagine another awful weekend again for the Silver Arrows. This is where power shines. The streets of Baku is where power shines. They have it. Now, don't get me wrong. Red Bull has it too. Max will put up a fight, uh, but this is not his best track. I think Mercedes will lead both in the drivers and the constructors' standings when we leave Baku. So I know I'm not going out on a limb here. When people make predictions, they want to differentiate themselves from the norm. They make wild predictions. You know, it's like, oh, I think Pierre Gasly is going to be on the podium because it's a wild race. I'm not going to do that here. I'm going to stay consistent. I think this is a Hamilton Botas for Stappen podium. And I think Mercedes leaves and we all go, oh, looks like we are back to normal. Now, I do hope we get Red Bull back in situations like we saw at Monte Carlo, where they take the lead of the championship fight. They take the lead in the constructors at various racetracks. We've got a triple header coming up later this month. So I hope we continue the championship fight. But I just think this race, with what happened in Monte Carlo two weeks ago to Mercedes, I think you're going to see them return to a dominant form. I think they finish 1-2 in this race coming up on Sunday. All right, one thing I want to touch on real quick. We're getting new uh, listeners every single day, and I really do appreciate it. We're trying to grow this. I am an American sports talk show host. I host a morning show for a company called Sports Map Radio. I get to talk NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball. I've interviewed coaches and players and people who are covering the new world of sports. Uh, one of the reasons I started this podcast is I have a passion for Formula One. I do not get to talk about this on my normal radio show Monday through Friday. I would love to see the interest in Formula One grow in the United States. I would love to help in that process. It is something I, I've loved since my early coverage of motorsports. I spent a lot of time covering NASCAR, but in the 90s when I was covering IndyCar, I covered the IRL cart split. I covered Formula One. And I've seen Formula One interest grow in the United States. And I bring this up for a reason. If you're a diehard Formula One fan, you've been watching it for years and you've sort of followed the sport like I have. There's going to be a, a level of simplicity to some of the things that I do. I'm trying to sort of appeal to newcomers to the sport who are diving in maybe because of drive to survive, maybe because they're just racing fans and they're finally tuning into what's going on in the formula one world. Maybe they live in an area like Miami or Austin where there has been a formula one race and they've been wanting to go and all of those things. If you are listening to us anywhere around the world, I hope you kind of enjoy my style of doing this from an American talk show perspective um, and talking about formula one. You can email the show at theovertakef1podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, please subscribe to the channel, leave us a review, and that's how we continue to grow. All right, next week we'll have a review of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, and then we will set you up uh, at the end of the week with a news and notes segment as we have another weekend off before Formula One goes into a triple header with France and Austria in back-to-back -back weekends leading into early July. I'm Tony Deziri. Thanks for listening to the Overtake F1 podcast. Enjoy the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and make sure you're back with us next week as we review the outcome of Sunday's race. Once again, this has been the Overtake F1 Podcast.